It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fight fans to another episode of BTR Boxing Podcast with your host Sean Basto, joined on the line by Johnston Brown to discuss all the weekend's action and all the highlights and news over the past four to five days. But before we get into the episode, please go and find us on social media at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter and BTR Boxing Podcast on Facebook as well. And you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Go on there, subscribe, leave us a rating, leave us a review. It really, really helps us. Or Podbean, or Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, Player FM, even Eat Sleep Boxing Repeats YouTube channel. Find us wherever. Subscribe, listen, rate and review. It really, really helps us. So let's get into it then, Johnston. We're going to start the episode today. We're going to talk about all the topical stuff that's going on, I think, before we give our sort of breakdowns of the fights that we've seen over the weekend. Because that seems to be more in the forefront of people's mind at the moment with the stuff that's been going on over the past four or five days and the main one is what we covered off in the last episode that we did which was Dillian White and the whole drug testing saga so the the development since the last episode that we covered off is that Varda had actually cleared Dillian White in a test prior to the Rivas fight this was after the adverse finding which was around June time the first finding that was adverse but Varda since cleared him but yet we're still waiting from confirmation from the UK anti-doping agency uh, of their findings now so the saga just continuously goes on it does feel mate yeah uh, I, mean, we, I think we briefly touched on the fact that you look like Varda we're probably going to clear him because they hadn't picked up any adverse findings in his, uh, you know, in his sample. So yeah, it was pretty much what I what I expected Varda to do. Um, but you know, this is this is this is the ongoing issue, isn't it, with UCAD and Varda, where they've obviously got different lists, you know, in terms of what's banned and what isn't. Because you know, Varda were clearing him. Why UCAD? Why didn't they? You know, so. 
But there's obviously, you know, they're not sitting from the same injury. So it's, it's something not quite right there. Um, you know, obviously with Varda as well, that would have been a test in a straight test. I mean, um, I mentioned before with Wilder before coming out here, giving it the old big and didn't he? So, you know, that would have just been Varda if he'd have been fighting America. UCAD wouldn't have even come into it. They'd have been cleared. We wouldn't even be having this discussion. So the fact that UCAD picked up on the adverse findings is, uh, yeah, it's, it's obviously not good for Dylan, but um, yeah, it's, it's just it's just another who knows what's going on really. It's just it's just confusing everybody, um, and I'm just I can't wait to find out what you can come up with and whether this second B sample comes through negative or positive, and, and then we'll obviously go from there. I think the biggest issue I've got with the whole situation was the fact that not one governing body not one organization not one promoter or not one part of any team actually made the revas camp aware of this adverse finding which they knew about because this was from a test from the 17th of june so if this was known by the different people involved why wasn't revas's team informed now surely one of them has got to take some sort of accountability for this or as a collective really i mean if Eddie Hearn knew about it and couldn't say anything about it to the public and disclose that because of legal reasons, why would they have not sought to speak to the Rivas team to let them know? It's weird because this is this situation has, has happened before, a couple of years ago, when Danny Garcia was due to fight Eric Morales in their clash. Eric Morales had actually tested positive and had an adverse finding in one of his tests prior to their fight, but he was made aware, the Garcia camp was made aware of this, and yet they decided to continue on with that particular fight which you know it was a great fight to be fair it didn't really make any difference to the fact that he'd had an adverse finding didn't make any difference on the performance because Danny Garcia won that fight this seems to be a similar situation however the difference here is that Rivas's team were not informed whatsoever and then there was the reports coming out of Rivas not clear not being cleared for a uh, for a, a drugs test as well so there seems to be a lot of stuff flying around at the moment and it feels like people are trying to point the finger in different directions yeah I, I couldn't agree with you more with the Reva situation they should have 100% been notified but as you say they knew early early on in the month they could have quite easily uh, have, have, you know have let them know and I'm sure if the foot was if the shoe was on the other foot Eddie Hearn would have been kicking off about it wouldn't he if 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 Reavers had fouled an A sample and then they didn't declare it to the white camp, he would have. He would. You can imagine what it would have been like on IFL TV and whatever else. Um, so I, I don't quite get it. Um, it doesn't seem right. And the British Boxing Board of Control, obviously, they're the ones that are going along with with UCAD. They're, they're back in UCAD, so whatever UCAD decide, they're happy to go along with. So surely between you know those two, you know UCAD and. British Boxing Board of Control. Some should have said to you know, is, is anyone going to actually let Reeves know? Well, there should be some sort of guidelines to let your opponent know that you know you've had this this A sample that's fouled and you're now waiting on a B sample. But uh, it, it's just I think that that is definitely one part that I really do not agree with. Um, I agree with you, and the fact that you know with this A and B sample from from what I've gathered over the over the last sort of few days is that. It, so you, when you give in your sample, it gets split into two. So, you know, you have one sample that goes off to the lab and then the other sample goes... But it's all from the same sample, if you know what I mean? So if, you're, if it's a blood or if it's, uh, if it's a pea sample, whatever it is, they will literally take that whole sample and they split into two and then they do different testing. So, um, so it's very rare that a B sample will come back with... Um, that, that isn't the same as the A. The chances are it's going to be the same. It might be a little bit lower... Um, we don't know even know what 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 it is that he's supposed to have taken and what 
people have mentioned it's a steroid or some sort of steroid or you know, who knows we don't know until obviously they make an official statement but I don't know it's, it's a big mess um, and uh, you know obviously the other thing was that they, he's already had his hearing as well so he had a hearing with the British Boxing Board of Control that we were aware of and they were happy for him to continue and fight from that point they should have notified Rebus they didn't do that but something's not quite right there because if it was as clear cut as he's fouled a test like Gerald Miller for instance then they 100% would have just said no no to this fight this ain't happening you are you are suspended but after this hearing they've decided he could now fight on pending an investigation so who knows who knows it's just it's just a big mess mate it really is it is a big mess and I'm sure in the next coming days and weeks we will find out a little bit more information as it comes out across the channels of social media. I am genuinely interested to see what actually comes out of all this to be fair because obviously this has put a big, it's a big shadow on boxing at the moment, a big issue really. I mean my issue is with the British Boxing Board of Control, I wouldn't have thought they wouldn't have told Rivaz's camp or you know, surely there must have been some accountability there. I mean, I heard an interview with Bob Arum talking about the British Boxing Board of Control and how well regarded he sort of them of. You know, he was talking about the fact that he came over with Ali in the 70s and he was talking about the fact as how highly regarded the British Boxing Board of Control have always been. But now he's starting to change his opinion by the sounds of it a little bit. He feels a bit like, I'm not so sure now. That's the impression you get from the interview. And it's funny because that's also another topic to speak about today as well. Is Andy Ruiz Jr. and Anthony Joshua's rematch. We've still no further to get in an announcement on when exactly it's going to be. And more importantly, where it's going to be. Andy Ruiz Jr. recently was on the Joe Rogan podcast and interviewed about his win, about the plan for the rematch. And he's clearly gone on there and said, it's not happening in the UK after what's happened with the Dillian White situation. I didn't think he would have that sort of power to be able to dictate where the rematch was going to be. I always thought he would be contractually obliged to to go with whichever venue Anthony Joshua's team had gone for. I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of the contract, of course, but normally with a big fight like this where the heavyweight titles are all on the line, surely, as part of that contract, there was a rematch clause if Lanchini Joshua lost, and surely they would have had the opportunity to dictate at that point where and when they would have wanted it to have happened. So at the moment, we're no further forward to actually finding out when and where it's going to be. There's talk of it going in Mexico, there's talk of it going in Cardiff in the Principality Stadium, there's talk of it going in the USA, we've still no further forward with this and this is becoming a little bit of a saga in its own right because people want to know when this fight's going to happen. Anthony Joshua has come out in the last 24 hours and, and basically said Andy Ruiz Jr. doesn't dictate where this fight's going to take place. How much power does he really hold? Well, this is it. Um, you would think in the negotiations when they first sat at that table um, and discussed the first fight, they, there was always going to be a rematch clause and there would be elements to that rematch clause in terms of where the, you know, the main parts, where is it going to be held? That is going to be, you know, what country anyway, not, not as, as specific as what actual arena, but, you know, I'm sure in that contract it would say, you know, it's going to be held in Britain no matter what. Um, I'm guessing that's, that, that is 100% what it would have been because, you know, by the sounds of Eddie Hearn and, and AJ himself, you know, they sound pretty confident that that was in the contract. Now, whether there is something within that contract that Ruiz feels that he could breach, maybe, who knows? Uh, maybe it could just be a fine for him. And he probably thinks, well, I'll just hit the fine, I'll take the fine. 
but I'll I'll fight where I want it. You know, I'm the champion. I get to decide. I mean, the other thing that I I think of is the fact that maybe he won't take the ring match. Maybe you know um, that Al Heyman is under Al Heyman. So is uh, Wilder's also a part of the Al Heyman crew. Um, and I, I get the impression that Al Heyman would want to keep the title. So, you know, what exactly, what would be, what would what would happen to Ruiz if he doesn't take the rematch? What, you know, he's just going to get, what, a, probably a hefty fine, but um, for breaching the contract. But in actual fact, he could probably earn that money back if he fought um, Wilder in America, could he not? And then obviously you've got the other situation with the RBF anyway, because the RBF are going to probably, well, they're saying they're going to strip him if he doesn't fight Kubrat Pulev. If he fights Joshua, the RBF are probably going to strip him anyway, so he won't have that title. So that leaves Pulev with an RBF chance to fight for the RBF title against who? Adam Adam Kronaki, possibly. Who knows? But there's, there's something not quite right. I, I'm... I'm I've got the impression that Ruiz Jr. is digging his heels in and he wants to fight in America or just not in the UK because he feels he's, he's come out and said he feels that he's going to get rubbed, which is quite ironic considering the amount of fights we, we've had in the years going over into America and in Europe that get rubbed. Um, it's all part and parcel of the game, I think. You know, it happens, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, who knows? It's a really interesting topic. I'll... I'll you know, Eddie seems pretty confident he's gonna he's gonna get it done this weekend, and he's been saying it for the last three weeks. So who knows what's gonna happen? Whether this fight will ever even happen at all. I get a sneaking suspicion, and again, it's only a sneaking suspicion and a feeling that we might see the rematch, but I don't reckon it's gonna be for all the titles. You're talking about the IBF basically saying he needs to fight Pulev, and if he doesn't, they're going to strip him. Now, if you remember rightly, when Tyson Fury beat Vladimir Klitschko in 2015, I think it was the day after, maybe even two days after, the IBF straight away again said, you need to fight X opponent. I can't remember who that opponent was at the time, but he was due to fight another opponent, or you needed to fight this opponent, because if you don't, we're going to strip you of the title. And that's it. I'm sure that's exactly what they did, which is what left it open for Anthony Joshua to eventually go on and beat Charles Martin for. So that's what ended up happening there. So the IBF are playing them games again. There's a good potential that they may strip Ruiz of the title, and we may only see the other two titles on the line in a rematch, which then leaves the landscape open a little bit more, as you say, for a potential fight with Kubrat Pulev and the next highly ranked contender, which could be Kwanaki after this weekend's action. So it really does make an interesting landscape and it opens the division wide again because then we get the opportunity to see other fighters come through that are on the fringe of going for a world title like the Kwanakis and actually getting to see them in action for a world title. We might eventually get to see the Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder rematch for the WBC title is proposed to be February. Bob Arum again in the same interview I've listened to has said it's a done deal for the 22nd of February. So that's supposed to be happening as well. So at the moment, as messed up as some side of the heavyweight landscape is, the other side of it in some ways is quite a little bit exciting because you know if Ruiz gets stripped of the IBF and then two other fighters have to go for it it leaves the, the landscape open Ruiz might retain the titles against Anthony Joshua Joshua might not even win them back yet so there's so much going on in the heavyweight scene at the moment there's there's a it's like a bit of a marmite situation you're either going to love the fact that this could potentially open up the division or hate the fact that we've got all these issues with peds and the issues of stalled rematches and locations so it's, it's kind of whatever you interpret out of everything that's going on at the moment is how you're going to take it. But it's, it's such a such a, a really, really 
difficult situation for, for fans to be in because the fans are the ones that are losing out on everything at the moment with guys that they believe deserve world title shots potentially, and I say this in inverted commas, potentially of being done for drugs. So it's such a, such a difficult situation. And while we're on the subject of the IBF... Also, the IBF, again, have stripped Canelo of the title and are now putting the opportunity for Derevinchenko versus Golovkin to happen for that title later on this year. So the IBF don't really seem to give people a lot of opportunities to, to, to defend that title without stripping people pretty quickly of it. I mean, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, it's a ch- I think it's pretty... Oh, God... Uh- is it bad? It is, I mean, as you say, it does open the door for, you know, in a heavyweight, you know, in a heavyweight division. And it would, in the middleweight division, I mean, I still, for me, I think Golovkin didn't lose, I still don't think Golovkin's lost a fight. I mean, that's just, you know, when my boy grows up, he said, no, no, he ain't lost two fights, mate. He ain't lost two fights at all because he drew one and won one. Um, he's got done out of two fights. That's just my honest opinion. So, him, it was, so Canelo being stripped of an IBF title and the fact that Golovkin can potentially fight Davinchenko for that title, I think that's great. I like that. But in terms of the heavyweight division, again, I'm not I'm not in favour of you know these uh, so too too many different champions. Um, everybody wants to see an undisputed at some point. It's just not going to happen. It looked like AJ was heading that way with a Wilder fight. They missed their opportunity. Wilder and Anthony Joshua and Eddie Hearn and, and Wilder's team, they, they, they couldn't come to an agreement and that's their own fault. They could they could be walking in millions and millions and they could have had a great first fight and then potentially having a rematch for all the titles and that's their own doing. Um, that's what happens, unfortunately, and that should be a lesson learned to anybody that, you know, you need to be taking these fights. So in that respect, that you know, what, what it does say is you know if you're not how many how long is you gonna have these titles for there's only so long you can have them eventually you're gonna have too many mandatory fights and you can't possibly fulfill all of them so it's just the way of the game it's the business is the nature of the game and um, you know there are four titles unfortunately across all these divisions with the 16 divisions we got now used to be eight you know there's always going to be four champions in each one every now and then you might have a unified champion so i sort of agree with it in a way but not ne- not necessarily i think the fact that IBF putting pressure on Ruiz Jr. is a bit daft because I think Kubat Prulev, I, 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 you know, I believe that IBF would rather Joshua, you know, Ruiz Jr. One of them to have it rather than if it goes to if basically Ruiz takes the rematch and then Prulev's got it and then you're talking about what Ajet Cabal or Adamek, they're the next two in line. So I don't agree with that because I, you know, I suppose another guy gets a chance for a world title and they're going to be, you know, Tyson Fury, you know, Huey Fury, all the whoever else, Povetkin. I'm just popping those out of my head here now. Dillian White, if he gets kid, we'll all be chasing the winner of that fight. Um, I mean, even then, the WBO, if, if Usyk comes in and says, I want to fight for the WBO straight away, he can, he, he could jump straight in. He jumps in front of everybody because he's the mandatory for the WBO heavyweight title. So, I don't know. It, it can be a bit messy and it's so difficult to flip and follow who's got what title across the divisions. In terms of the middleweight, I think, do you know what? Great. Golovkin, Davinchenko, I watched that fight and, and I hope Golovkin comes and picks out himself a world title, which he should still have. Well, let's talk about some other news that have come out in the past couple of hours as we're recording this episode. We touched on the Jose Ramirez-Maurice Hooker fight 
in the last weekly review episode. The last couple of hours, the WBO have ordered Jose Ramirez to defend his unified super lightweight world titles against Jack Catterall. The parties have 30 Please. days. The parties have 30 days to negotiate. Uh, then a purse bid will be called. So we was talking about Jack Catterall, you know, being mandatory for WBO version of the title, and WBO have ordered that fight to take place, which it caused a lot of controversy on on Twitter in particular when you know I put a a, a post out on Eat Sleep Boxing Repeat about. Jack Catterall being number one about him potentially going in and what Jamie Moore says about him being a really talented fighter it came with a lot of backlash to be honest with you because it came with the fact that a lot of people don't feel he's, he's, he's even ready for it yet, a lot of people don't think he's as talented as what Jamie Moore makes him out to be, he's been in some boring dull fights and they're the sort of comments we were getting on Twitter and I can understand why people were, were making them comments because yeah he hasn't really been in a fight which I believe uh, is a legitimate world level fight this would be a massive step up for him but if he is as talented as Jamie Moore is saying then he is going to go far and we could potentially see him win a world title or at least put up a fantastic effort and showing and show that he's at world level so it's the same for Anthony Yard versus Kovalev in a couple of weeks that is the exact same situation Kovalev is a respected world champion who's been in there he's fought the best he's been in with the best he's been a champion on a couple of occasions Anthony Yard for me hasn't done enough to justify that world title shot or beat any world level gatekeepers yet so he could jump in and beat Kovalev and we'll all be raving about it when he does so I think you've got to give these guys the opportunity but what do you think about that then Jack Catterall's getting his shot by the looks of it I think um, looking at it as a British boxing fan brilliant I think good good luck to the lad and I hope he, hope he can do it um, in terms of just the way this is the other thing we've you know we talk about the splits and the titles and who gets what but the mandatory situation is sometimes the mandatory fighters uh, you, you sort of scratch your head thinking, well, how are they mandatory? Like, you know, how are they? Well, I mean, uh, in, in world rankings, I don't know where Jack Catcher is. I haven't got it at hand. So I don't, I'm guessing he's going to be quite highly ranked, obviously. Um, I think as well with that division, obviously, because we've got the uh, Boxing Super Series, haven't we? So, you know, we've got Progress and you've got Taylor who are going to be fighting at some point. So they're the other two big names in there. Other than that, you, you are sort of scratching your head. So I suppose, you know, I think it's just. Um, the, one, the one guy that sort of alludes me is uh, is it, is it Ka- I'm going to get his name wrong is it is it Kano or Kano the guy that beat uh, Linares recently because oh, yeah. I always thought that that was a WBO eliminator um, I don't really know I always was an, probably an interim title so I always thought he was ranked higher than Jack Catchell so I was surprised that he was given the mandatory shot albeit I'm, I mean you know, I'm a British fan so Good luck to the lad. You know, hopefully he goes and does it. Um, I'm not. I'm not that pissed off about it because he's English. You know, you know he's British, and I'm thinking I'm going to back him all the way. So yeah, sometimes the mandatories they throw a name at it, and you're like, how's he mandatory? Really? I mean, some of them are crazy, but. Um, yeah, uh, good luck to Jack, and I hope, he, I hope he can do it. What about Billy Joe Saunders parting ways with Frank Warren this week? That was a little bit of a, a shock move, I think, from a lot of people's perspectives. Nobody was expecting him to walk away with from Frank, uh, and uh, basically everyone's saying he's going to sign with Matchroom. It's not been confirmed yet, but a lot of people are, are pulling these uh, sources, as they say, on social media that this is going to be signed, sealed and delivered and we're going to potentially get the fight between Callum Smith and Billy Joe Saunders happen at some point in the next 12 months for the unified super middleweight titles of the world. So that's going to be interesting. But I wasn't expecting it, if I'm being totally honest. But then again, I think maybe... 
given what he's done since he's been with Frank, if he goes with Eddie, there's more likelihood that he is going to get a, a fight that we want to see him in. Because this is the thing with Billy Joe Saunders. He's a guy that we believe has got this immense talent and has shown us in, in you know, in space that he has got this immense talent. But yet we've yet to see him take on one of the big boys. Callum Smith, for me, in the super middleweight division is, is one of the best super middleweights in the world, if not the best. And for that to happen, for me, would be fantastic. It would be a great fight for Britain. Brilliant domestic fight to happen at the world stage. So I'm shocked. But what about you? What do you think about this, Johnston? I thought it'd come out of the blue for me. I wasn't expecting that whatsoever. Um, I, again, I, I'm not surprised. It's the inactivity for Billy Joe Saunders. As you, as you rightly mentioned, Sean, he's, he's got excellent talent. Um, it's just the fact that he only saves it sort of once a year, doesn't he? And then he'll have a he'll come back and have a pony fight and then you know you think, oh God, he's gonna decline and then he goes and puts him in a great performance. That's just Billy Jarrett a minute. So he needs to get someone where he's gonna be active. Um the first name that jumps to everybody's head is Eddie Hearn and the fact that, you know, he is a super middleweight champion and we could we could unify the division against Callum Smith. It's an interesting fight, that, because, you know, I rate Callum very highly, and I honestly believe that his power and just his size is, you know, he's he's just going to be a handful for anybody in that division. I think he probably is the best in the division. Um, If he catches Billy Joe, will he stay? But then Billy's got this ability that, you know, he makes you look silly. I mean, look what he does to David Lemieux and and Andy Lee, for instance. And Andy Lee, you know, he's he's another great fighter. So I'm really excited about the the fact that if he could sign with Eddie, you know, it's a possibility. And also, you know, Dazan, so Canelo could be a fight down the line for him as well. Whether it be at middle, he's, he's openly said he would go back down to middle to fight Canelo or Golovkin that could happen for Billy Joe if he signs with Eddie so it makes sense you know, who knows he could go with MTK <laughs> um, but you know we'll see I, I, I like the fact that uh, uh, Billy you know I think I think it's about time he needs to he needs to be frank because uh, you know they've part away amicably so um, you know good luck to Billy hopefully he does sign with Eddie and he can get them big fights and we can actually see him in some super fights so we're not going to do a preview episode for the action coming up this coming weekend because there isn't a great deal of it and in the news that's come out in the past 24 hours if you've not already seen it at this point Carl Frampton's fight with Emmanuel Dominguez has been cancelled because of a freak accident in the hotel that Frampton was staying at so this giant ornament in the hotel lobby has apparently fell over and landed on his left hand and he's fractured his fifth metacarpal in his left hand so that fight has now been cancelled which for me was the main fight of next weekend so I've decided on that basis there's not a lot else for us to actually cover off for a preview episode so I'm not going to do it but that fight was the fight I wanted to see this weekend if Frampton had anything left because a lot of people now, including myself, are suggesting that he's probably in the latter end of his career that this is the sort of the final stage of his career as a fighter will we get to see him in big fights once more? It was highly likely that we were going to get to see him in a big fight but now he's got this injury this is going to set him back, he's going to need to get another fight with a guy like Dominguez again before he then decides to step up and obviously fight one of the the, the, the big fighters of the division so I've seen the video as well it just it's a bit crazy like this big giant sort of ornament that's in the hotel <laughs> lobby and there's, there's, there's two members of staff carrying it and then there's Frampton's on the phone and and then it's just it's a bit mental there were some people suggesting on social media that they wouldn't be surprised if 
he'd faked this injury because he's dead at the weight. Right. I, I, you, it could be onto something. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I mean, even the guy, was it, did you say Emmanuel Dominguez, is it? Yeah. Is that who he was supposed to fight him, wasn't it? Because wasn't that the same guy that fought Jordan Gill and Jordan Gill got rid of in like three rounds in Peterborough? Was that the same guy? Yeah. Same guy, yeah. Yeah, see, I thought that I thought that was a bit of a strange run. I know it's probably just one of those comeback fights to get into a victory, but I was a bit like, yeah, no, I wasn't too sure of that. And I wouldn't be surprised, actually. It seemed like a bit of a, of a dead one, really, especially after the weekend's action with Michael Conlon. You know, they, they, you know the Irish were just, just mad, the atmosphere. I mean, they always are crazy, you know. They love the atmosphere. I'd love to go to one of their nights. It's just... You just can't compare it. It's just outstanding to watch the telly. I mean, God knows what it's like to be there. So I think maybe he's a bit over, overshadowed with Conlon at the minute. And uh, obviously, there was talk with Conlon Framlin. I think Bob Arum dropped in there that he, he wants Frampton Conlon at some point, and Conlon's already turned around and said he ain't going to take it. So that's that's not happening. But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a funny one, isn't it? I mean, that's an, that's an unusual injury. Um, I mean, it happens. I'm not saying we're, you know, we're not going to say he isn't. He's not telling the truth, but it is, it's a bit of a strange one, isn't it? Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised, mate. I, I, I could, I could understand that theory. Well, we'll see what happens then <laughs> over the course of the next couple <laughs> yeah. of weeks. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure it was a legitimate injury, and it was just a freak <laughs> accident. I'm sure it was. I don't know if it's anything to do with the weight or anything of that nature. I'm not suggesting that, but we'll see over the next coming weeks. So let's actually get on to talking about some of the action over the weekend just gone, and let's start with the next gen show on Friday. Obviously, we did an episode to cover off the action that was coming up over that weekend. Now we'll cover off what we thought about the shows over the weekend so the next gen show then uh, the the fight that stole the show for me was the one that I suggested was going to steal the show which was Jack Cullen and John Harding Jr and I was really really impressed with Jack Cullen the, 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 the way he stepped up and he put it on John Harding Jr and John Harding Jr didn't really have the answers to the questions Jack Cullen was asking on the night and it was a really good performance a well executed game plan as well from Jack Cullen but I've got to give it to John Harding Jr's heart and desire and passion to be in there to try and throw back to try and get in the inside it was a really really good fight and I really enjoyed that and for me it was the fight I enjoyed the most on that particular card because it's the fight I was really excited for and we'll talk about the Fowler Rose headliner, but for me, the the Harding and Cullen fight was was the one that I really enjoyed. But I want to know what you think about that. Did you was you impressed with Jack Cullen's performance? I know you'd not seen a great deal of Jack before this. I, as you say, I mean, I'd I'd seen um, what well, I think a couple of fights on YouTube. Jack Cullen um, is one just before the the Harding Junior and. When I, as soon as I first see Jack, it just caught my eye. There's something about him, his style. Um, it, it just, it's just really good on the eye. It's great to watch, and I think he showcased that against John Arden Jr. Um, at the Next Gen show. And I'm really pleased for him. I really am. Um, he had his fans there, didn't he? And Eddie said he's going to buy him. He's going to buy a house. <laughs> Where he's from, uh, it made me laugh actually. But Cullen, I mean, he Cullen, he gradually just wore Harding down. Um, you know, he showed great heart determination throughout the fight. But he was, as you say, he just, just didn't have enough. He couldn't connect clean. Uh, and Cullen, you know, it was just, he just put in a good performance. He showed good, good chin. As, as we mentioned, he could use all those tools for, his, for a guy we'd like to, to use again, which he did, to be fair to him. He did do that at times, but he will go just, it just, it just goes toe to toe with that. He will. He, you know, he's got a bit of a chin on him. Um, so yeah, I, one thing I will say is Harden Jr., he, he put in, he, he was just a very determined performance and, you know, credit to him, um, the Brixton lad. Um, but, you know, 
fight of the night, absolutely, on the next-gen show. Couldn't agree with you more, mate. Well, the other fights that was obviously on the card that we were talking about, before we talk about Fowler Rose, the main event, we also had, obviously, Martin Bacole's return to the ring. He picked up that stoppage victory over Perea, which was good to see him back. It was good to see him getting the victory, and he did it in emphatic fashion. So I was really impressed with that one. But a little bit of a shock upset on the card, and something I was texting you about on the night as it was happening, was the Sean McGoldrick-Thomas Isomba fight. I was saying on the episode leading up to the fight that, you know, he's no mug, even though he's had an 8-5 and five record at the time. The guy had took Liam McGregor practically the distance and, and give him a really, really good fight. And yet he come in there and he beat a prospect in Sean McGoldrick and, and shocked a lot of people. He just out-hustled McGoldrick in that fight. He, again, like the Cullen and Harding fight, Isomba had all the questions and... And McGoldrick didn't have the answers to them questions and it was an impressive performance from him and for sure McGoldrick now he's got to go back to the drawing board now he's going to have to come back and try and work his way back into contention and I think that's a bit of a a bit of a big stumbling block for him with it being such a, a not very deep division bantamweight division in the UK I think it's going to be difficult for him to to vie himself up there for a, for a big spot when you've got guys like Cash Farouk and Lee McGregor and now a Somba now picking up this WBA Continental title you know all these guys are way in front and now he's going to go down that pecking order but I did enjoy the fight I did enjoy the performance from Asamba I thought it was a really good scrap it did have a decent fight on the card um, again I mean you mentioned at the top of last week's show that you know this was getting unfair publicity this show but in actual fact I mean I even had a look back through on the next gen show bar the one in your call with um, Lawrence Acoli and Luke Watkins and uh the couple of cracking fights on there. Um, there isn't any other next-gen show that comes close to this card. And uh, I thought it got unfair criticism. I don't, I don't really know what people expect from next-gen cards. I never expect too much, to be honest with that. But I thought, you know, with the Cullen fight and Harden Jr. fight, but this as well was another good fight. You know, McGoldrick and Asamba put on a... It was a good, good fight. Um, Asamba just, just showed his worth, irrespective of his record. He, you know, he, people look at fighters' records and they think, oh, it's just, you know, it's just, you know, it's just put up to get beat. But this, you know, if, if you know anything about boxing, you need to go and watch some of these guys and Thomas Assemble was one of them. As you rightly pointed out, Sean, he was, he's a tough nut to crack. Um, and I think the goal, I thought it was even up until the cut. I think when the cut opened up, it was a bad one, wasn't it? Um, and I think he just lost, he just couldn't contain, you know, I, I don't know, it just, it just didn't, it affected him badly, basically, and he just couldn't recover from it. Um, and Assemble rightly won the fight. Fight. Yeah, it was a good fight. Robbie Davis Jr. dispatched uh, Mikhail Dufet quite easily, and that was after he had a confrontation with Lewis Ritson, who also dispatched of his opponent earlier on in the night. There was a confrontation <laughs> backstage, which was hilarious, which the matchroom boxing cameras caught of them having a go at each other it was pretty hilarious it did the rounds on social media calling each other one of them calling each other a melt and a rat and what you're staring at and it was it was hilarious and then obviously Ritson after his fight was telling the audience that and, and the interviewer <laughs> that Robbie Davis Jr. is full of shit and yeah it was it was quite entertaining <laughs> it was a it was a good build but I've got to be honest I'll stand by what I said on the preview episode is that Robbie Davis Jr. doesn't really need the fight with Ritson because he can move on now and push towards that world stage I think Ritson needs this fight more than Robbie Davis Jr. does and I think it was quite evident because he seems to be the one that was stoking and provoking on the night and that's why Robbie Davis Jr. got riled up 
But as Eddie Hearn was saying in the post-fight interview, you know, he sees the pound sign straight away. If the fight needs to happen because the public demand it, then it's going to happen. And obviously you can see Eddie Hearn wanting this to sell out, maybe up in, in Britain's neck of the woods or back in Liverpool or maybe on a neutral sort of area in the UK. But you know for a fact when he was talking on the interview post-fight... You could see them pound size rolling around like I don't know what, like a slot machine in Vegas. You could see him rolling around. It was ridiculous. You can see that same look in Eddie Earn's eyes when he sees a potential fight that he knows he's going to potentially make some money off. So, yeah, it is a fight that I would like to see. I'm not going to lie. I would like to see the fight. I'm not dismissing it whatsoever. I'm just suggesting that Robbie Davis Jr. doesn't need the fight. This could be a potential stumbling block for him really because if Ritson wins then all the hard work Robbie Davis Jr has put in over the past 12 months and the comeback he had after his loss it goes down the pan a little bit by taking that risk so I don't think there's as much reward by taking that fight there's more risk by taking the fight with Ritson in my eyes so if I was Robbie Davis Jr's team I'd be telling him to forget about Ritson move on it doesn't make him a chicken it doesn't make him a coward it makes him a sensible businessman because at the end of the day he's fighting to make a living he's fighting to go on to fight for a world title but he's also making a living at the same time so you've got to talk what's sensible and unless Eddie Hearn can stump up a lot of money for the fight and the fighters are going to get paid handsomely for it then maybe yeah take it but for me I don't think he needs to take it well uh, once again I mean we, we spoke about this uh in the previous show, we said this was put on with the potential of having these two fights. I mean, you pointed it out, Sean. So, you know, it's interesting that they ended up having this public spat live on television. It's quite funny, wasn't it? It's really entertaining. But what shocked me was Lewis Richardson. I've never seen him react the way he did in the post-fight interview before when he just cried with the old, uh, you know, Robbie Davis is, is full of shit. I mean, I, I was a bit like, what? Was that, was that Richardson was choked to me beer like? But, um, yeah, so I, I think it's a good fight to have. It, it does. I mean, I'm with you. Robbie Davis Jr. doesn't need the fight. He is further ahead. He, he basically pointed that out, didn't he? I can... This guy who's been fighting in a different weight now move up. You know, he's won the WBA, was it Continental Super Lightweight Crown, whatever it is. Um, he's, he's rightly turned around and say, you know, unless, unless the money's right, I ain't taking the fight. I'm going to fight somebody else, you know, someone else works their way through the mandatory and Richardson's quite obviously trying to talk his way into a fight, which he looks like he's going to have done. I mean, the money could be right. It could be a really good fight. You could stick that on on any bill and that would be a decent scrap. Um, so, I'm with you. David Stewart doesn't need it, but if he does get it, uh, you know, if the money's right, it'd be a fight I would definitely like to see. Well, let's talk about the main event of the next-gen card then, the Anthony Fowler-Brian Rose contest. And I've got to start by saying, you know, fair play to Brian Rose. Fair play to the guy. I wasn't completely dismissing him or trying to write his chances off on the preview show. Although it may have sounded a little bit like that, it wasn't my intention because I just felt like what passion and desire did he have left? And he shown me as a fight fan that he had something left because he really, really give Fowler a, a good fight, to be honest with you. And I'll come on to Fowler in a minute, but I wanted to sort of touch on Rose's performance. I think... Rose was obviously second to the punch. He was beaten to the punch in the fight. But he was always there all the time. And that's not what I expected. I expected him to, to, to be a little bit more hesitant, to back off a little bit more. But he was willing to engage. He was willing to get in there. And I was really impressed with that, given, like I said, how I felt about his career in the preview show for, for the next-gen card. I felt like 
he doesn't have anything left to prove essentially at this stage of his career but he obviously feels like he does because he went in there and gave a right ballsy performance and yeah he, you know there was times where he looked like he was on the verge of being stopped in the latter end of the fight but yeah really impressed with him should he go on from this personally no I don't want to see him go on from this I'll be honest I know Anthony Fowler was saying in the post fight interview that he should go on and he should try and fight again and blah 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 personally no I don't want to see it I'll be honest with you that was you know one good last hurrah for him one good last performance from him but he said himself in the post fight interview that you know things that he would normally not get caught with he was getting caught with and for me that's the warning sign straight away that you should be thinking about calling it a day if you can't get out of the way of punches you used to be able to get out of the way of punches of that you know that's that's it that's when it becomes a little bit more dangerous yeah. to your health for me in my opinion so I would say he needs to, to call it a day Anthony Fowler he was impressive but he was still getting a lot of critics because people still feel like he's not improved since the Scott Fitzgerald fight we've got to remember he hasn't took a fight since Fitzgerald so this is his first fight since Fitzgerald and he did look very much the same I didn't really see too much different but I will point out from from my perspective that he did box to instructions a lot better than he did in the Fitzgerald fight and I think for me looking back on the Fitzgerald fight now with Fowler it feels like the emotion got the better of him on the night in the Fitzgerald fight and that's why he he made them mistakes on that night whereas against Rose he didn't make too many mistakes against him he boxed to instruction Dave Caldwell told him what he needed to do to to beat Brian Rose on the night and he did that and he did it not 100% to perfection but he did it probably about 85% to to, to perfection really and I think yeah he's going to get a lot of critics because of the way he mouthed off before the Fitzgerald fight and the way he still wants to potentially go again and with Fitzgerald they've got to wait to see what happens now with Fitzgerald versus Cheeseman later on this year for the British so that's going to be quite an interesting one to keep your eyes out for later on when that gets confirmed they're talking about October I think the 5th was the date I've got in my mind but Anthony Fowler's performance then Johnston did you did you enjoy it did you feel he's, he's a little bit better than what he was in the Fitzgerald fight do you, do you agree do you think it was emotion that took over in that Fitzgerald fight? I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, one of the main points for me was that he didn't allow the emotions to upset his rhythm. I thought he was controlled. I thought he was professional. I thought it was a decent performance from Fowler. As you say, he did box the instruction. He he had a game plan and he and he stuck to it. Um, and Brian Rose is no mug. You know, I think he clearly showed that. I think people were writing Rose off from the off, basically. Um, but he, he he showed. You know, as you say, he was he was slow. So he, you know, for me, Brian Rose is always a guy that waits too long. He, he, was, he tries to be a counterpunch, but he just waits too long. He ends up getting hit too many times. Whereas with this fight in particular, I thought he didn't do it as much. Um, you know, he was just beaten to the punch pretty much all night. Um, uh, so I, I was, you know, I'm not, again, has Fowler improved? I think what he has improved on is that he is able to, to be a bit more professional, you know, and not allow his emotions to get the better of him. Um, you've got to remember that the Fitzgerald fight was very close right up until those last two rounds and that knockdown was, had huge significance um, and that was due to him not listening to his corner and letting the emotions take control so that that there is it, that's, that's an improvement is it not? I think it is um, as in particular if you're going to go technical then no pretty much the same but 
you know, that's going to come, isn't it? Eventually, he will get better. I do believe that. You know, people don't like him because of his personality. There's a lot of fighters out there who I don't like because of their personality. But, you know, you've got, to, you know you've, you've got to put that to one side when you watch him in the ring. And I think that Fowler is he, he's, he's, in the, he's in the mix for the like, middleweight division. As you mentioned, Fitz, he's going to be fighting Ted Cheeseman now, which is another very close fight. I can't call it. I think, you know, you look at Fitzgerald, Cheeseman and Fowler, you know, fighting for the British title, that could go either way. They could all beat each other at some point. You know, you've got the two leaders in that group that are head and shoulders of everyone, which is Kel Brook and Liam Smith, which is a fight I think that they should put on because I don't quite, if Kel Brook doesn't want to retire, I think Kel Brook Smith would be a great fight. And they're at the very top of the division. And then you've got your rest where, you know, you could pick a name out of the hat, out of James Metcalf and, you know, Rufus Shell, Cheeseman, Fowler, even a senior bifurcate who got beat by Cheeseman recently. And then another name to find a bit who people have forgotten about because I'm not quite sure of the ins and outs of it, but it's Joe Pickford. I'm not quite sure what's happened to Joe. I know he's slowly moving himself back into the mix, but he's another name in that division to keep an eye out for. And it's a good division. Domestically, it's very tight. I honestly couldn't tell you who the best is out of them all. I think that they're all pretty much on an even path. But it's, it's, it's great. It's great to watch. Hopefully they all fight each other. Yeah, I agree. I'm looking forward to seeing what the next 12 months holds for all the super welterweights of the domestic scene. So, BT Sport Card then. We had MTK Global in association with Top Rank promoting the, the great show which happened in Belfast, Northern Ireland, which... I, I'm going to say it from the off. What an atmosphere that was. You'd love to have been in that, wouldn't you? Oh, brilliant atmosphere. I'm... I loved that. I thought the fights were brilliant and everything. Yeah, it really did. Excellent, excellent, excellent night over in Ireland. Brilliant. It was one of the best cards they've put on. I keep saying, and we've talked about this before, that MTK have started to pick up the ball. That matchroom have dropped in terms of the quality of the UK shows. And yeah, obviously it was a Northern Ireland show, but the passion and the desire from the Irish fans is is second to none. You know, the the, the way they come out in droves to support their own is is fantastic. And I think that's what we what we lack. I think in in the British boxing in England and Wales and Scotland. And I'm not suggesting all of these fans don't support or as not as loyal but I've never never seen loyalty as great as that they get behind them no matter what rather than being detractors the the guys that want to just support your fighter no matter what and that's what I love uh, about the Irish I love the fact that they all support them through thick and thin and that atmosphere was amazing and there were some great fights on the night and, and obviously Michael Conlon is the guy that is becoming the superstar uh, of Irish boxing he's the next superstar of Irish boxing I mean you know the, the emotions that were coming out of a lot of people when he came to the ring for his fight with Diego Ruiz was, was, was unbelievable to see and you know it kind of gives you gives you chills kind of watching it yourself from home thinking bloody hell you know i'd love to be in that type of an atmosphere on that night and it wasn't like it was a, a supposed to be a a special night as in world championship boxing it was a night which meant a lot to a lot of people and michael conlon as expected came through that test with ruiz and i i, I didn't really see him getting out of first gear to be honest with you in that particular fight I felt like it was a nice straightforward win for him over Ruiz who I think although he was was a gameish opponent 
I don't think Michael Conlon had to get any further than first gear on the night and I felt a little bit disappointed in, in some respects that we didn't get the Nikitin fight because I felt like Nikitin would have come with more of a, a needle behind him in terms of the whole Olympic scenario which we was touching on in the last episode in the preview for this fight. I feel like that would have been a better fight quality wise but I think I didn't really see him getting out of first gear. What about you? Did you, did you just think it was just a, a box standard performance from him? Yeah, he coasted it, didn't he? Really, it was. It was. He's got all the tools. I mean, he's got. He's got both in his corner, and they seem to have a good relationship. He's. He's got a good style. You know, the one thing that a lot of people always say is, "Has he got the power?" Um, which, whether you know, whether it matters or it doesn't really. If he if he's got the boxing ability, then it wouldn't. It's just a matter of if he can take a shot. Um, he's definitely one for the future. Um, uh, and then the Irish, for, you know, they get right behind. Him. I mean, I've had the um, the corner breaks more entertaining than anything. But that Irish crowd just singing along is just—they <laughs> were absolutely outstanding. Um, and I'm with. I'd love to go to one of night. I've not been lucky enough to go. Um, I've actually got family in Belfast, so I probably should uh, should tap them up for next time there is an art there. But I mean, yeah, I, I don't think he got out of second gear. Um, I think him and uh, Sakura Stevenson are going to be the future of this division, and I really believe that. And I think hopefully their paths will cross at some point. But the whole card, I mean, it had, it, even like the, the Frenchman uh, was it uh, Ronald uh, um, Garrado, the, the adopted Irishman. Now the Frenchman, the adopted Irishman, he got beat by uh, a Cub. Um, and I mean that that there alone that was just brilliant. You can anyone can have a look on social media. <laughs> the atmosphere and how much they they adored that in that case. He obviously said that one, but the whole card is you know he had some great fights. He had an upset with Keeler against Louis Darius, and then yeah the controversy with um, with the Gallagher and the Jenkins fight, and uh, yeah and, and the, yeah so he just he just had everything really. And uh, Paddy was on there. Paddy Barley got himself a win, didn't he? As well. So it was just great to see and, and just great fun. Um, and just an excellent car. I actually thought the main event was, as you say, a bit of an anticlimax because we didn't get the fight that we were wanted and expected. But um, so that probably wasn't the best fight of the night. I think look lower down the cards for the other ones. As I say, the Keeler and Arias fight was a good fight, and definitely Jenkins and uh, um, and Paddy Gallagher. And that two great fights. Well, let's just move over then to the action that happened over in the USA before we wrap up this episode and talk about the record-breaking heavyweight slugfest that was Adam Kunaki versus Chris Ariola, and again another guy who I spoke about on various occasions who I felt like should retire now. And I tell you what, what a fight that was between them two. Kunaki and Ariola threw more punches in a heavyweight fight than than what we've seen in some of the superstars of heavyweight boxing of today and that was absolutely brilliant fight to watch and we got to see the true determination and grit of Kwanaki and obviously Ariola, which we knew he already had anyway but it was the Kwanaki side of things we wanted to see we wanted to know is this guy going to go on and potentially fight some of the great heavyweights of the division is he good enough to fight the heavyweights of the division or is he just a guy with a padded record and yet again for me he's proved he's not just a fluke he's not just a padded record he's beating guys that maybe pass their best a little bit 
But he's beating guys who have been in there with very notable name, world champions, former world champions, and he's giving them a good going over, and he's giving people a good fight. And I think he's definitely an exciting fighter to, to, to watch, and I'm sure he won't be in any boring fights over the next 18 months as he progresses up and starts to fight some of the big names of the division. But that fight was brilliant. I really enjoyed watching that fight on the Sunday morning. I felt like I was watching a bit of a throwback fight between two great heavyweight fighters. It was a fight, wasn't it? It really had that feel to it. It was just to and fro. The action, I mean, I think, I think Chris Ayola threw, did they say, 100 punches in two rounds and Adam uh, he done it in the second, I think he threw 100 punches. There's like over 2,000 punches between them in the fight, which is just crazy. I mean, it was. A, I mean, even Chris Ayola, I think he broke his hand in like round seven as well, the fellow. And they took some good shots. Um, they gave out, they dished out some good shots. It was it was entertaining. It was a slugfest. Uh, you know, it was always a, it was always good fun to watch them fights. No one was ever put down. No one ever really seemed in any real danger. Um, but it was just one of those nice fights to watch. I think I think you know in actual fact that you know the, pretty much the whole card in America was decent with a couple of a couple of upsets there with Gene Pascal beating Lucas Brown and Curtis Stevens losing to um, Wally. Otomoso, so a couple of upsets on there. So, you know, it's, it's been it was pretty decent over in America as well. The John Pascal fight with Marcus Brown, not Lucas Brown, not be mistaken. For I keep calling him Lucas. Yeah, sorry, Marcus <laughs> Brown. Sorry. Yeah, Johnston <laughs> keeps getting him mixed up with Lucas Brown, the heavyweight boxer. But no, you're, you're quite <laughs> rightly point. <laughs> you quite rightly pointed out that actually it was a big upset that for me because Marcus Brown was the guy that was supposed to be moving forward in his career. Obviously, we'd seen Marcus Brown, you know, quite recently when he went in there with Badu Jack and beat Badu Jack who was obviously a big name in the light heavyweight division and for them for him to come and lose to to Jean Pascal which you know, it was the, the the knockdown in the fight was interesting. It was a great right hand, a great counter right from Pascal that knocked Marcus Brown down. Really enjoyed watching Pascal roll back the years a little bit. And it feels like this weekend that just gotten has been a bit of a resurgence for the guys that we've kind of all been looking at and going, yeah, he's at the end of his career, uh, he should retire now. And yet they come out and put pretty decent performances on Ariola, Rose, Jean Pascal. You know, these are three guys that I talked about in the preview episode. I was like, well, what motivation have they got left? And, well, they shut me up because they clearly shown that they've got some great motivations left to be in there, to be mixing it still at that, this level. And for Jean Pascal now, I'll be honest with you, the fight I'd like to see Jean Pascal take is with the returning light heavyweight king, Chad Dawson, who we had on the Life and Times of a few weeks back. He wants to, what he wants one more shot at World Glory, and well, what a fight that would be, Chad Dawson and Jean Pascal again. I'd really like to see that one. So for Jean Pascal, fantastic win for him there, fantastic win, and for. Quinaki now we want to see him in with more bigger names now we want to see him move up past the gatekeepers of world level now and we want to see him in with genuine contenders so I think it was a really good weekend for boxing overall I really enjoyed it thoroughly and I think we got some really good takeaways from from the boxing over the weekend uh, absolutely mate I mean I mean Pascal those two right I mean the first round and the second that put Marcus Brown man I get it right this time he put him down hard on both of them knockdowns, and then obviously the classic heads, which is sort of a uh, black kettle black for um, old uh, Brown, where he's uh, you know you remember if anyone remembers the um, the Jack cut court, remember do you remember Babu Jack's cut when he oh, when he won yeah. that fight? That was an absolute Nasty. horror show, wasn't it? That was awful. So he obviously gets cut and then loses on points with uh, 
Well, Pascal had a lovely bump on his forehead as well for, from the Clash of Heads. Um, and then obviously Kurt Stevens as well was he, I think, got knocked down in all three rounds. It was just an absolute mess. And Otomoso, uh, so he got he got rid of him. Uh, another another big upset. It, it, it's been a great weekend. I mean, you've had you've had four upsets across the bar, across the board really with. Um, with um, Asamoto against McGoldrick and Keeler against Arias, I'd say there another couple of upsets definitely there. So there's four upsets across the board. You've had, you know, we've had two professional performances in terms of Fowler and um, and Conlon. We had uh, two fights stopped and cuts with Jenkins and obviously Brazil. So it's been a lot of um, it's been it's been a lot to talk about. Uh, we had a, it was a nice tasty uh, war words with with Ritson and Davis Junior, and then a record breaking fight with a heavyweight in a heavyweight fight. So yeah, and an adopted Frenchman is now an, an Irishman. <laughs> so it's been it's been great. It's great viewing. I mean, for me, obviously the, the the card of the weekend was in Ireland. I just enjoyed the fans. The atmosphere was brilliant. I think that edged it for me. With the American show was also a good show with a couple of upsets. Again, next gen. I mean, people just need to just lay off of it a little bit because you know you, you, you're not going to be expecting too much. And I thought that was a decent card they put out. And, and you know, we've got another guy to talk about in Jack Cullen as well. I'm really pleased for him that he's come out, you know, and and proved himself to to, to potentially be a bit of a star for Matchroom now. And um, obviously, Bacoli as well. I, I don't. I know you probably did mention it. Beating Pereira. Now um, so he's put himself in there, and Pereira actually went the distance with. Kulaki. So, but and Bacoli put it away in the round. So, you know, this is stars made fights into the day, but good weekend all in the world. I really enjoyed it. So, before we close this episode up, I just want to give a shout out to the sponsors for the podcast Bear Attack Boxing, providing high quality boxing goods and equipment to you, the listeners of BTR Boxing Podcast. And as you've heard me say on previous episodes, we have a discount code there available to anybody that is wishing to purchase any of their equipment. If you go into your checkout and type in BTR10, that's BTR10, you will get 10% off all your boxing needs and equipment from Bear Attack Boxing's website. Now, you can go and find them on social media at Bear Attack Boxing. They're on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Check the website out, www.bearattackboxing.co.uk. Go and take advantage of that 10% discount for you loyal listeners. So, Johnston, please, as always, we're going to get back to Legendary Nights this week and I'm really excited for it. Really excited for the next episode. We've got McClellan and Ben, which was such an amazing fight with such a tragic ending and I'm really excited to to be recording that and talking about the facts and the build-up to that particular one and obviously we've got more episodes coming over the next few weeks. It is coming towards, pretty much is the end of the boxing season pretty much now and we've got a couple of weeks grace period but there's going to be more episodes coming out as as always and for the listeners if you've not already checked us out on social media go and find us on twitter at btr boxing podcast and btr boxing podcast on facebook as well and you can also go and find us on apple podcast itunes subscribe to us rate us review us let us know what you think if there's anything you want to see anything new please let us know we're always open to new ideas we love to hear what you fans have got to say to us we really appreciate all the messages if you've not got an apple iphone or 
and you're on Android, go and check us out on any other podcasting app out there. You've got Castbox, Podbean, Stitcher, Spreaker, Player FM. There's loads of them out there. We're pretty much on every single one. So go and check us out on there. So it's been a pleasure, as always, Johnson. Thank you for coming on. And you are the co-host of BTR Boxing Podcast. It's actually on the artwork now, so it's uh, official. <laughs> you are the, the, the regular you, co-host. You. So I'm glad to have you here as part of the team. And for you listeners, as always, thank you for checking us out. Thank you for downloading and playing the episodes every single week. We really appreciate us. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.